Welcome to How to Trade It, The Road to Trading Mastery. Join Casey Stubbs, a seasoned trader, as he guides you to become a profitable trader. Find actionable insights, real-life stories, and strategies to boost your trading skills. Don't miss the journey to trading victory. Start listening now. Connect with us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Trading profits are just an episode away. Hey, everyone. This is Casey Stubbs with the How to Trade It podcast. And today we have a guest, Kira Turner from T3, from T3 Live. She's a moderator at their inner circle chat room. Hey, Kira, thank you for being on the show today. Hi, Casey. Thanks for having me here. It's my pleasure. So, Kira, you have been trading for a long time uh, through many, uh, many different market cycles. Uh, tell us a little bit about when you got started trading and how you got started. Well, I started in late 1994. So I was really lucky. That was the start of a big bull run up through about 1990. Uh, 1999 or 2000, when the market really corrected sharply. Uh, and I got started because a friend kind of dragged me in there. I really wasn't interested in trading. But once I tried it, it worked really well for me. And I stuck with it um, all the way through that run up and then dot com crash. And uh, it's I've been in the markets ever since. So you had a friend um, drag you into it. Was that like an online trading service or was it something different? Oh, that was long before online trading. So we actually had to go into an office. We were not allowed to enter our own orders at that point. So it just wasn't legal. So we had to have a registered broker who sat across the table from us and we would call the order out to her. She would input the order and then let us know what we were filled on. Um, things were so different then it was much slower. The software was really basic. Um, it was just a much slower environment overall. Yeah. Things have changed quite a bit in those few years. (laughs) Definitely not, um, not, it's not a long period of time, but, uh, but the technology has grown so much that it's a totally different world. Uh, what do you think has changed in the, in the actual style of trading because of online trades now? Well, I think a bunch of things, but for one thing, there are just so many more participants in the market and they're a lot more sophisticated than they be. So you've got people who understand that they should buy the dip. And so moves are, I would say more violent now. Uh, Maybe that's all the computerized trading too, but things happen faster and more violently than they used to. I mean, that's the biggest change. And then the change from, uh, from stocks that used to trade in quarters. So each price level would be 25 cents different from the previous price level. So it could move a dollar really quickly and now things trade in pennies. So that is a change. Um, doesn't necessarily mean things move faster, but it's different. Yeah. I think um, in general, Everything moves faster nowadays. I it mean, does. literally everything. Life is faster. Yeah. Yeah. You know, economic boom and bust cycles, you know, like right. things would crash. It would take two years for the bear market. And now it happens in a week. 
yeah, it's kind of crazy when you think about it. It just, everything is so much faster now. Uh, so during that initial, um, uh, period for when you got involved with the stock market, how did you trade specifically? What was your strategy? Did you have a strategy and what was your overall experience? I did. So my strategy then was I was a simply a day trader. I almost never held anything overnight and I bought breakouts. Um, I read investors business daily and, and followed the chart patterns and things that they recommended. And I was just strictly trading breakouts and it worked really well. I mean, I had an amazing run there and to the long side and short side, you know, when the market sold off, I did really well on the short side, but you have to be a little bit ahead of the curve now buying breakouts. I mean, it works in a trending market, but it doesn't, it hasn't been working lately. Let me put it that way. No, that's very true. Um, It seems like a lot of times breakouts will move just a little bit and then they'll go right the opposite direction and it seems to fake out people quite often. I agree. Yes. So how do you, um, how do you avoid that? You just stop trading breakouts or there's a way to qualify which breakouts are, are good. Sometimes I trade breakouts and especially when I feel like the market has more of a trend to it, I'll trade more breakouts, but I typically have a stop somewhere. So I don't take too much of a loss if it does reverse, but more importantly, I've been working with someone else, another moderator in my chat room who really understands market psychology. So I've really learned a lot from him about what people are looking for, what makes a stock run up and then pull back. And then you've got that group of people that feel like they missed the first run up. So they're going to step in on the first pullback. And so I'm looking for more things that are related to psychology of people and, and how they trade. So uh, what, what would you say to describe your um, trading style now? My trading style, I hope is flexible. I really try to adjust based on whether the market is trending or choppy and how high we are in the market. For instance, we've just had a huge run up from the bottom in the last couple of months. So my trading now is different than it was two months ago when we were at the bottom. Um, I've, there are times I, put on more risk and other times that I take less. And it's really a matter of looking at each stock individually to figure out where that stock is, where the market overall is and how much risk I want to take. And then I adjust. Uh, How do you determine uh, your risk? Is that change on every single trade? Like how do you decide what kind of risk? Yeah, it, it really does. I mean, obviously I have a dollar amount that I just wouldn't be comfortable losing. I, I, Everybody I would think has that, but, um, you know, a smaller stock, I might look at a recent support level. Well, on any stock, I would look at a recent support or resistance level. Um, and then I would size according to how much, how much I want to let the stock go against me before it hits that level. Um, I, I would say those are the main things that I look at. You know, it's sizing and, and timing. If I'm in, if I'm chasing something and I'm late, I will definitely uh, be a lot more careful than if I feel like I've gotten a really low risk 
entry where I feel like I can just give it a lot of room to move around. Okay, that makes sense. What's a, what do you consider a low-risk entry? Well, if I can buy something on a significant pullback or buy something, for instance, Moderna has sold off really hard the past few days. Um, I'm pretty comfortable with being long Moderna here. It might go down a couple more dollars. It might go down a few more. Um, but I don't think it's going to go down 10% necessarily. So I'm okay with uh, sticking with that position. Uh, how long do you usually hold your positions? I have different trades that I hold for different amounts of time. I day trade a bit. I swing trade a bit. And then I have some long-term trades that I keep on as well. So this one that I'm talking about, this Moderna trade will be a swing trade. A couple of days. Okay. So what are some of the key things that a trader needs to know to be successful uh, in trading the markets? Well, you've got to have some sort of confidence in your system, in your reasoning for getting into a trade. I mean, that's a really important thing to know. Um, You've got to have really great risk control. That's maybe the most important thing. Um, And you've got to understand sizing. And and that's something that we talk about a lot in our room, because if I have someone in in the chat room asking me questions about a trade, if they ask me two or three times, I know they must have some anxiety about the trade. And then I think, well, maybe maybe you've got too much size on. You know, if you're not comfortable with your trade, if you're really worried about it, take some off, you know, have smaller size or use calls or puts to make the trade something to um, help you be a little more relaxed. So then people might ask like, Hey, what's happening with this trade? What's happening with this trade? What's happening with this trade? Because they're in a very uncomfortable situation and they want assurance that it's going to work out good for them because (laughs) if they don't make uh, a decision quickly or if the market doesn't turn around, they're going to be in, in a bad situation. And sometimes I'm afraid they want assurance that the trade's going to do what I expect it to do. And of course, I'm wrong, just like everybody else. So I don't always know. I, you know, I might think I know where it's going to go, but um, that's why it's important to size right. So when you're wrong, you take the loss and you move on. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're, if you're overloaded on a trade and uh, you are asking people to try to get confirmation to agree with your point of view, that's not going to help you. Right. Uh, in that situation, what would someone do? What, what do you think they should do rather than to ask all these different people for uh, their opinion on which way the market's going to go? Well, you know, it doesn't bother me too much for people to ask because that's, that's really my job. You know, I'm here to educate and help and support and I love doing all those things but you can get the sense from somebody that they're nervous. Um, and I, you know, I say it to people almost every day. Okay. Cut your position size down. You know, you've got too much risk. Sometimes people will tell me their account size and the number of shares they have. And I'll say, let's cut that down. I think you've got a little too much risk on, you know, let's protect your capital and um, not stress out so much about, whether or not this particular trade works because you don't want to risk your, your capital on one trade. 
what have been some of the biggest challenges for you to become successful in trading? Well, honestly, the biggest one was changing my trading style when I came back to trading in the last few years, because I was a scalper. I was a day trader. You know, I was buying all these breakouts and I came back to trading and it didn't work. And I literally, you know, had a small amount of risk capital when I first started back and I stopped myself out and I just thought, oh boy, you know, I was a really good trader back in the day and um, I'm not anymore. So I had to relearn what I was doing, start over, back up and um, be willing to be flexible. And it, it wasn't the easiest thing, but it's paid off. So then you um, had a good strategy and then that strategy stopped working. And so you had to then adjust. Is that kind of how it happened? Exactly right. Yes. Okay. And um, what was it that, how did you come up with the new style? Like how did you come up with a new strategy all of a sudden? Well, it certainly wasn't all of a sudden. I mean, it took a good six months to feel like I really understood my new strategy. So it was experimenting. And for me, being such a scalper, you know, in the past, I was really uncomfortable with letting trades go against me. So what I had to do, I had to cut down my position size. And I mean, literally to like one tenth of what I normally would trade. And so I would take this small position and just sit on it and just let it move around and just get used to watching it move against me and go up and down and um, do nothing for a while. And as I got more comfortable with that, then I could add more size on. Um, So, you know, I'd just start having successful small trades. And when those worked, I get bigger and bigger um, until I got to where I wanted to be for a normal size trade. And that's really, I think that's the most important key for me was going super small until I got comfortable. Um, How did you know when it was time to increase your size? Well, I guess because when I got comfortable with a very small position, then I'd think, okay, could I do it with twice as many shares? Yeah. All right. Now could I do it with twice as many shares again? You know, and, and as it felt better, I just added shares on. You know, but like I said, this whole process took me like six months. It was not quick. It was just a learning process of getting comfortable. Yeah, getting comfortable buying the dip. Um, you know, buying things that were down, just things that maybe spiked down on news, that sort of thing, and just learning how to trade those because it was so different from what I had done. Hello, this is Casey, and I wanted to take a minute to tell you about my new book that just came out. It's called Complete Trading System. This is my 25 years of trading experience sharing everything that I have learned in how to make a profit from the markets. You're going to learn about how to find the right instruments to trade, how to find a trend, how to get started as beginners. You're going to learn about how to get the right mindset. And 
you're going to be able to put it all together to create a trading system of your own that will work for you. I highly recommend that you try it out. Just click the link right now. It's called Complete Trading System. It's available on Amazon. Thank you. Go ahead and check it out. I think you're going to love it. What do you think is a realistic um, expectation for traders when they uh, get into trading for success or for profit levels? Well, I had somebody ask me not too long ago if he should start trading. And I said, well, I mean, trading is great. I love it. But you need to expect that the first six months you might not make any money. I mean, you might lose some money the first six months and you can't trade money that you need to live on. I mean, that's my most important piece of advice, I would think, is that if you have to have that money, you shouldn't be trading it because it's too stressful. I mean, I've been there. I've tried to do it. It's a terrible idea. So you need to be willing to go through a pretty long period where you're not making anything. So you're, you definitely have to have a... Um a source of revenue or at least money to live off of. Right. Right. And then, you know, hopefully within that six month period, you'll start to have some small wins and then you can build on those and gradually get a little bigger and a little bigger, like I've described, but, you know, starting with low risk, small wins, I think that's definitely the way to go. Now, as far as cash flow for trading, is it realistic for traders to consider that they would make money on a daily basis or on a weekly basis or a monthly basis? Like what is a realistic cash flow uh, mindset for a trader? Well, daily basis, no, for sure. You, you can't expect that because I just don't think everybody can have consistently profitable days. Um, I know some people say they do. I don't necessarily. Um, but Months, yeah. And, you know, many weeks, I would say yes. But, you know, you're going to have a week slip in here and there where you just, it's just hard. So um, that's, for me, that's what works. I, I don't really know what other traders do, but I, I don't think planning a dollar amount or planning to be profitable every day is very reasonable or likely. So, so traders need to be willing to go through ups and downs. You know, it's not yeah. necessarily going to be a profitable situation all the time. Absolutely. Right. You know, and sometimes the market gets slow and quiet for, I don't know, it could be weeks or months. I haven't traded a long period of time where it's been really quiet and hard to make money, you know, six months or a year. But um but sometimes you've just got slow periods and there's not much you can do about it. Uh, recently, the market was in a downturn for most of the year and until, you know, last month, I'd say. Mm -hmm. um, how uh, did you trade during that down cycle? Well, I, that was another period of adjustment because we had come from last year where things just kept going up and, you know, the way to save yourself from a bad trade last year was just to buy more and hold on longer, essentially. And it would pull you out, you know, the market would 
pull your trade up and, and make it profitable. Um, it took some adjustment on my part for sure. I had to stop holding as many positions. I had to revert more to day trading. Um, shorting all year has been hit and miss. Um, I guess because uh, I guess there's so many buyers that, you know, the, the move down isn't always as easy as it seems like it used to be. I mean, I used to make the majority of my money being short and now it's, I'm really picky about what I'll short. So a complete change of style over the past, well, this year from last year. Right. Yeah. Last year was definitely easier because when you have a down day, that's great. You just load up and then the next day it's going to be up. It was fun. I mean, it was crazy, you know, crazy runs. I, even back in the run up to the dot coms, it wasn't like that. Like we didn't have stocks like GameStop and AMC that were just up incredible amounts and going so fast. It, you know, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, um, it, it's, but it does it take some adjustment when the market changes or else you're going to get yourself into a lot of trouble because that type of mentality can cause you to wipe out your entire account. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm afraid it did cause a lot of people to have some big losses. Um, but that's the name of the game adjust and, you know, start cutting losses as quickly as you can. So you can make the adjustment and figure out what you need to do to be profitable in the, a different kind of market. So how do you, uh, personally respond after you've had a series of losses or maybe a couple of weeks where you're not being profitable? Um, how do you get back into it and, and how do you recover? You know, it's funny. One of the most important things for me is to go take a long walk. So I go out to the green belt where it's quiet. I don't get interrupted. And I just think, you know, what have I, I think about what, how I've been trading, what I've been doing, what the problems are with that style and maybe what I need to change. And then I kind of give myself a pep talk, you know, you've been through this before, you can do this. Um, and usually within my walk of an hour and a half or so, I'm in pretty good shape. Um, but it can get mentally exhausting to have losing days. And uh, that's, I guess that's a, a skill, you know, having resilience to be able to come back from that. It, it takes some work. Uh, what about um, the ability to control emotions? Because when you've had a down streak or even when you've had a good streak, emotions can definitely play a role in trading. So how can you... Um, not allow emotions to make bad decisions. Cause when you're emotional, your decision-making process is much worse. It absolutely is. And we were joking around on the virtual trading floor the other day about revenge trading, because you know, we've all done it. Um, you get mad at that stock and think I'm going to get my money back. Um, it rarely works out, but I think that, so I, I, haven't filled you in on this part yet, but I have a lot of um, sporting background. So I have about 400 skydives. I rodeoed in college and high school and snowboard and do all kinds of things like that, that 
especially the skydiving is kind of a, an emotional control um, experience. So I've learned to do that and just really focus on the job at hand. So I'm not, I'm not sure how I do it, but I've learned to do it. You just, just, really focus. just make your decision based off of the charts and you just don't let emotion get involved. Um, I, I can't say that I don't let any emotion get involved because I'm sure I do, but I guess I've learned to maybe recognize the emotion or, or not trade because I'm angry, not trade because I'm upset, at least for the most part. I mean, we all make mistakes. I, I, I do it sometimes. And I, you know, I, sometimes I get out of a trade and think, Oh, I was right. I get right back in. And then I think, no, I was, I was wrong twice now. Yeah. <laughs> I should not have gotten back in. So um, do you ever like have to step away? Like do you say, okay, I'm not thinking clearly. My emotional state isn't right. I'm just going to take a break and I'm not yeah. going to do anything right now. Yeah. And that's a really good strategy. You know, um, go out and take the dogs for a walk. <laughs> uh, just go. Sometimes for me, it's just go make a cup of coffee. Walk into the other room, take some deep breaths. Think logically without the screen in front of me, getting my uh, anxiety up and just think about, OK, what what's the right thing to do here? Not what my emotions are telling me to do, but like what's the smart, logical thing that I should do with this trade? Uh, do you think that there's a difference between uh, the way that men traders make trading decisions and women traders? So that's interesting. We've discussed that. And it seems like the women traders who hang around long term on our our chat room are really good traders. Um, and maybe that's because there are so few of them. There's just a handful of women and probably, I don't know, 175 guys and maybe five women, something like that. But the women tend to make consistently good decisions, I would say. Um, and some of the men do too, for sure, but not all of them. You know, there's a little bit more cowboying going on sometimes or just... I, yeah, I don't know how they make their decisions, but but sometimes it's um it's questionable sometimes, you know. So that's what I've noticed. Yeah, no, it's there's definitely a difference. I, I don't know if I can quantify it. It seems like there's a, maybe when we talk about planning and things, it seems like the women are a little more meticulous, do a little more research, uh, and make sure they're following. Whereas the men will just like, okay, I'm loading up and I'm going for it. I would agree. <laughs> that's a, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and that's definitely one of my big, big problems that I've had to deal with because I just love taking risks. It's just, so for me, it's an emotional thing, right? Like, okay, I like taking risks. This is, you know, so you definitely have had to learn to control that over, over time. Yeah. I'm also, well, I'm definitely not afraid of taking risk. Um, and sometimes I do like it. So it's not been something I've had to necessarily control, but I understand where you're coming from. So how did you get involved in, in the rodeo? Well, so I grew up in Wyoming and I had horses in the backyard, basically, you know, we had just a few acres. Um, I grew up with the horses. I started 
you know, doing little, they call them little play days, but you know, it's like things, games on horses, you know, as a probably 10 year old and then got more into rodeo as I got older and rodeoed throughout high school and then went to Texas tech and rodeoed for tech for a couple of years. And it was just a, a way to learn a lot of responsibility, but it was a lot of fun. So what specifically did you do in the rodeo? Okay. So you've probably seen barrel racing. Yeah. For women, they also have breakaway roping. So it's like roping a calf, but instead of having to run down there and tie its legs up, the calf just breaks the rope away and you just have a very short time. It's usually like three or four seconds really quick. And then women also have an event called goat tying where you do run down toward a poor little goat um, stake to the ground and step off your horse as it runs by and grab the goat and tie its legs up. That's pretty interesting. I, I grew up in an area that was pretty kind of like that way out in the middle of nowhere. And it was a big ranching community. And so really, Rodeo was a big deal. Okay. So what state <laughs> yeah. did you grow up in? Uh, in Eastern Oregon. Oh, okay. Way out in the in the middle of nowhere. Wow. I have not been there, but that sounds really cool. I, I've driven through Wyoming a uh, hundred times. So, well, not a hundred, but quite a few times. Because I right now I live in Pennsylvania and we drive all the way across to visit my family in oh. Oregon every year. My family does every summer. And so okay. we, we go through that's Wyoming a, all the time. It's that's beautiful. a long drive. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I was just up there a few weeks ago. It was nice. Yeah. I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Me too. Um, not, I don't love it. Like I want to live there again, but I love to visit. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. Well, you know, you mentioned the skydiving. How'd you get involved with skydiving? You've done 400 jumps. I've got about 400. Yeah. So it must've been after I graduated from high school, my dad took me, um, which he probably never would have done if he realized I was going to start doing it on my own. But um, I loved it. He kind of liked it. You know, we did a tandem jump where we were each strapped to an instructor and I just thought it was the best thing I'd ever done. Um, And then it turns out there's a drop zone, a skydiving place near Texas tech where I was going to college and so every weekend I would go down there and jump, um, you know, but I, I did that after I was done rodeoing, I did it, the skydiving for a couple of years. And then at some point I gave that up too. I guess after I moved to Austin, um, but it was a, an amazing couple of years. It was really fun. So did you have any um, very close calls? <laughs> You know, I did. So there's something called a low hook turn. So you can make a sharp turn close to the ground and drop a lot of altitude really fast and pick up a lot of speed. And if you do it right, it's fun. If you do it wrong, you hit the ground really hard. And um, I did put myself in the hospital doing that one time. Low hook turn. Okay. No, don't do that. that. (laughs) Yeah. I did recover and jump again after that for a while, but. What was the extent of your injury? I actually had a fractured pelvis. Oh, wow. It was pretty serious. And, and you know, I, I, I walked with a cane for uh, six weeks or something, I think. Crutches and a cane. Yeah, it was kind of a drag for a college student to be walking around with a cane. Wow, yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's pretty exciting stuff, though. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, trading is exciting compared to skydiving. Does it ha- have any comparison? 
Um, well, yeah, I guess. I mean, it's, it's something you need to focus on. Trading is exciting when you do it right. Um, I mean, I love trading. That's, that's all I can say is I just love it. So I'm, I have the most perfect job ever. I get to help people. I get to do what I like. I work from home. Um, every day is a new challenge. It changes all the time. It keeps me on my toes, you know, and I get to read about world events and what's happening in the news. I, everything about it really is a good fit for me. Well, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. I have enjoyed this conversation. Can you tell uh, people that are listening how they can find out about um, your trading room and learn more information? Yeah. So if you go to t3live.com, that is where my trading room, which is called the inner circle is listed. You can get more information there about me and about joining the room. You can also follow me on Twitter at Kira's Epic Trades. That's K-I-R-A-S-E-P-I-C Trades. And um, I'll post information about joining the chat room as well. And I post some of my trades and, um, you know, other personal things here and there. But uh, that would be the best way to reach me is through Twitter. Okay. Well, we'll post the link, t3live.com, uh, in the description. And we'll also post the link to your Twitter. And I'm following you now. Uh, so I'll be watching your trades and uh, keeping up with you on there. So um, we'll put it in the description. So if you're listening, uh, just go ahead and check out T3. Check out Kira's Twitter account. Uh, you guys, uh, aren't, weren't you saying earlier that you were possibly going to have a free week at some point? We do have a free week coming up in September. I don't really know the details. I will post it on my Twitter so that everybody can see what the details are. Okay. All right. And uh, Make sure you follow Kira and um, get that information. And if we get it before this episode gets posted, you'll see that in the description as well. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kira. It's been great having you on the show. Thanks, Casey. It was really fun chatting with you. All right. Well, that's it for this episode of the How to Trade It podcast. Until next time. Thanks for tuning in to another insightful episode of How to Trade It with Casey Stubbs. We hope you found today's discussion valuable and inspiring. Remember, the road to trading mastery is a continuous one, and your commitment to learning and growing as a trader is the key to your success. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please reach out to us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep trading your way to victory. Until next time.